Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 705, air date August 16th, 2020. Are you live? We are live. All right. Hi, everyone. We're here in Mansfield, Massachusetts. Chuck uh, has organized all these people. Marie, you just probably want to do a pan. Chuck, Everyone's hi, show- Chuck. Uh, <laughs> people have shown up here because people are... Uh, tired of power, profit, and control, and they really want to change in this country at a very fundamental level. What I titled this talk here is one rule for them and another rule for us, and that's what this country is becoming. Chuck, do you want to just say a few words on? I would just like to say thanks, everybody, for coming and supporting the cause here, and um, he's been working real hard to get himself out there and make a difference for our country, and everybody here, uh, hats off to him. Thanks for coming, and Yours. Great. Yay, man. So, so let's. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Chuck and all all the volunteers. What's happened over the last six months is quite extraordinary. You, many of you know, in 2018, you know, I ran. Um, we can do that later. Uh, in 2018, we ran against Elizabeth Warren, if you remember that. And I orig- originally ran as a Republican. But however, what's happened is that the Republicans were so afraid. I'm not talking about the Republicans, the GOP establishment leadership of Charlie Baker. Let's be very specific. There's a lot of good people in the Republican Party, but they've been sold out by guys like Charlie Baker who are really not Republicans. In fact, they're not really Americans. They collude with the Democratic Party. And the way they do this collusion um, and the way they do this collusion is the following. They basically make sure in primary elections they always find a designated loser, okay? And they do not want all of you to vote in the primary election. It took me a while to figure this out. You have the general election, everyone knows, when is that? In November, right? The primaries take place in September. Now in the general elections, three million people vote. Do you know how many people vote in the Republican primary? 200,000, okay? Now that is that is by design. And the reason they do that is the Republican establishment of Charlie Baker controls about 140,000 votes. They have their phone numbers, they have their mailing list. It's all quite kept very close to their shoulders. They give it to their close buddies in the uh, state committee who they buy off with this favorite. It's a, it's a club. It's an elite aristocratic club, okay? And they make sure, you want to do it, Michelle? They make sure those people only show up to vote, okay? And so therefore, they don't want people who really care for issues voting in the primary election. They wait, they tell them, oh, don't worry, or they don't even tell them about it, so people show up in the general elections. By the general elections, they've already got their designated loser. You see how it works? And the agreement that the Republicans and the Democrats have, the Democratic Party, in this state is the governorship will be owned by a Republican, quote-unquote Republican, so what? Baker, Romney, Weld, okay? By the way, who all hate the president, right? They all hate the president. They didn't vote for him. They don't support him. They don't support any of his policies. What they do support is a policy to make sure that a small set of people maintain power and control. Not that dissimilar to what happened in the times of the American Revolution, okay? And historically, if you look at it, in 1776, when the American Revolution took place, it was a set of aristocrats, blue bloods who thought that they were better than all of us. We were the peasants. They never wanted to give us the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, all those things. They hated that they had to give us that. 
And ever since that day, they've been fighting to claw their way back into power. That's who Charlie Baker, that's who the Democrats, that's who the Republicans uh, establishment represents. This is why Bill Weld, who's a Republican, has already endorsed Joe Kennedy for the U.S. Senate seat. Okay, all of it makes sense when you see it from this political perspective. You follow what I'm saying? Otherwise, everyone's always confused. Why is Charlie Baker becoming like this? Because he's not one of us. He's one of them. Okay? And that's how they operate. And part of this is they have one rule for them and another rule for us. One rule for them and another rule for us. So when it comes to security and safety, they want to take away the Second Amendment. Right? From all of us. But they'll all have private security. I guarantee you. Those of you, some of you said you're from L.A. Who just said that? You've been, I mean, if you live in Malibu, they all have beautiful walls. They will all have their private security. Bernie Sanders will have his private security. The thugs will have their guns, but they want to defund the police. Now, in 1933, there was a gentleman by the name of Adolf Hitler. The first thing he wanted to do was to defund and eliminate the police. Did you know that? The first thing. So his brown shirts would go burn and pillage and attack people so they could sway the elections. So when it comes to their stability, they have that, right? They'll build their walls, they'll take care of themselves. But for us, they don't want that. One rule for them and another rule for us. Same thing if you look in this state. The Kennedys who've been running this state claim that they are all for all of us, but they're not. Look at their history. They live in Hyannisport. You look at Joe Kennedy, the guy's never really had a job. Everything's been handed to him. He's not one of us. He went right from Harvard, got a nice, beautiful DA job at the, at the Cape, and now he gets to run for Senate. What has that guy done? Just ask yourself. What has he actually done? The Kennedys have a billion-dollar trust fund. And let's talk about these trust funds and these foundations. Again, one rule for them, another rule for us. Every one of us here pays taxes, right? I probably paid nine different taxes, property tax, excise tax, payroll tax, I run companies, etc. They don't pay any taxes. How do they do that? They start foundations. They start nonprofits. $1.7 trillion in this country is siphoned off by nonprofit foundations. $1.7 trillion. $1.7 trillion. Harvard is one of them. A $55 billion found hedge fund. They don't pay any taxes. In fact, not only do they not any pay any taxes, they own they owned 600 acres of Cambridge. 10% of Cambridge is owned by Harvard. They don't pay any property tax. Think about that. And they created these, the lawyers, by the way, who do all this, and I'm running against three lawyers, two on the Democrat side and one Baker's put up, probably offered him a judgeship, as we understand, just to keep us having someone like me winning. That's why we have to win the Republican seat. But if you look at how they use nonprofits, what they do is they create a foundation so here's Bill Gates over here. He makes billions of dollars. He should be paying 30, 40% tax. Instead, he goes over here and he creates a foundation. It's called a family foundation. Puts all of his money over here and then doesn't pay a cent in taxes. And then using these foundations, they direct public policy. So they get a double, triple whammy. They get, first of all, they save taxes. They get to drive public policy and then they get to use public relations to tell all of us how great they are to help us when they're what they're doing doing is they don't pay taxes and over here they're using that tax evaded money 
to control public policy. So they're basically creating their own governments. That's what's happening. That's what the elites are doing. And all of this was penned and inked by lawyers, by lawyers, lawyers, lawyers. And one rule for them and another rule for us. When the American Revolution ended, our aristocracy was supposed to go away, right? It was supposed to end. However, these guys called lawyers created a title for themselves. You ever look at a lawyer's title? It says, blah, blah, Bob Smith, comma, Esquire, ESQ. That's a title of nobility. Did you know that? It's one level above gentlemen, one level below knight. So they took one step forward, gave us a few rights, and they took two steps back to keep themselves in control. The legal lawyer class, 60%, 70% of them are who control Congress. They make up all the rules. They write all the, all the contracts. No one can read them. They charge money for work day. If you, it's the only profession that they don't have to deliver anything and they still get paid, right? You do construction, you don't deliver, you don't get paid. I build software, it doesn't work, they don't pay me, right? It's the only profession there is no accountability. You go to a lawyer, I need you to do something. Well, you gotta give me $20,000 retainer. What am I gonna get? Well, I don't know, I can't promise you. You're gonna look, win this suit, it looks quite difficult. And they keep prolonging divorces, etc. All these things, because that is the only profession that makes money by prolonging a problem. Right? That's why when you look in Massachusetts right now, brought to you by lawyers, the av the Massachusetts infrastructure is an F minus minus, F minus minus. And that was rated not by some rinky-dink society, but the American Society of Civil Engineers. Now, remember, this is the state where we have MIT, right? Some of the brightest minds. Massachusetts got an F minus minus 125 points out of 350 points. That's pretty bad to get. You you guys just got graduated college, right? You really have to work at it to get an F minus minus, right? I mean, you really have to work at it. Like you got to piss off the professor. You never have to show up to work. You have to probably never hand in homework assignments. That's what Massachusetts got. F the third worst infrastructure. What is infrastructure? Bridges, roads, water systems, healthcare systems. It's the infrastructure. Massachusetts got an F minus minus. Brought to you by the Kennedys, brought to you by the Bakers, brought to you by the Wells, brought to you by the Romneys. And yet they do amazing public relations to try to tell us how great of a governor Baker is, right? This is all called massive manipulation. They just lie and cheat. All of us work. We pay our taxes. We want safe neighborhoods. They don't. They cheat. They lie. And they are basically the modern aristocracy. They're no different than the kings. One rule for them and another rule for us peasants. And that's why this election is important. Because a guy like me, one of you who came, all of us here came from some background. I mean, I came directly from India when I was seven, but you look at your grandparents, your grandparents, grandparents, all of us left another world, which was unjust, which wasn't treating us well. We came to America to create a better world because of one, one fundamental principle, freedom. This country was based on the freedom and those were in, uh, instantiated into two principles. There's many, but the first amendment and the second amendment. The first amendment, and no other country has that. No other country has a second amendment, the right to bear arms. And that was created so we could protect ourselves
from the government. And the government was supposed to be a decentralized, a loose government. We're a republic. Okay? Decentralized government. But what you see happening today with particularly, look, the coronavirus, okay, it's real. But we have 380 trillion viruses in us right now. And you're talking to one of the leading guys on the immune system. This is why our campaign is so dangerous to them. This is why they have to try to brand us as conspiracy theorists. And they can't because you can't tell that to a guy who has got four degrees from MIT, who got a PhD in biological engineering, who got invited to the National Science Foundation less than nine months ago to give the talk on the immune system. So they're in a big problem and they know it because they can just keep branding people conspiracy theorists, which is by the term, by the way, the term that the CIA created when anyone brought up anything about John Kennedy, okay, his assassination. But the truth is that when you go to understand how do we actually solve problems, you come down to the notion of systems. We have to start looking at the world, not from left or right, not from black or white, but from a systems approach to looking at it. Truth is something that's a little more nuanced, okay? So if you look at something like gun rights, the establishment always creates a pro or anti. Have you noticed that? They always create black and white. So when it came to gun rights, they said, well, pro-gun, anti-gun, right? We got to take away guns. And the other group says, no, we got to keep guns. But if you actually go study it scientifically, there are five reasons why, five reasons why these, how's it going? <laughs> there are five reasons why these gun rampages took place. And, and there was only one good paper done on this, um, scientifically looking at it from a systems approach. By the way, 40,000 people die of sepsis every year. You know what sepsis is, where you get a blood um, issue in Massachusetts? 40,000 people die of gun <laughs> violence in the United States. You know how much research gets put into sepsis research? Hundreds of millions. How much gets put into gun violence research? Maybe two million. But... One of the best researchers that was done on it found out there were five reasons these school shootings take place. One of them was the teachers were looking the other way. There was no parental guidance, bullying, drugs, and one of them was access to weapons, okay? However, what this research found was that if you removed any one of those, you could have stopped any one of those rampages. So let me repeat that. Five factors causing the gun rampages but if you just removed any one of them, so if the family had gotten involved, if the teachers were involved, if the bullying had stopped, right? If the kids weren't taking drugs or access to weapons. However, what does the establishment do? They don't look at the other four. They just say, they just look at the guns issue. And so what they then do is say, you're pro-gun, you're anti-gun, and they create a division. And that's what they do. They always take any issue and they always want to break it up into two thing so then they can keep their left right narrative look at the issue with what's going on with the race issue okay black lives matter was created essentially it's a it's an arm of the democratic party so if you are for if you are quote unquote for minorities you must put a black lives matter sign on your lawn and then they've separated that from police that means if you're for blm you must also be to defund the police and you're against, and then those people who support the police must be racist, right? Same old black-white narrative. When you really look at the issue and you go look at history, the police and people have always been together against the government. If you look at any revolution, 
the police always came to the side of the people to protect them from the government. That's what has always occurred. So what they're doing is to separate police from people. That's what they want to do. In 2017, something very important happened. John, John was there. You guys remember our Boston free speech rally took place? I don't know if you remember this. Um, 40 of us showed up at the Boston free speech rally. In fact, love opinions. Marty Walsh and Charlie Baker had branded that as a Nazi event because some some guys were uh, had, you know, Trump views, etc. They did, in fact, didn't even show up. We showed up, me, Michelle, a couple of us here. It was 40 of us against 40,000 people, 40,000 people. They had branded us Nazis, me, a white supremacist. OK, and, and that's what happened. But Marty Walsh was running against a black guy for mayor and Baker was running against a Hispanic guy. You see how this works? Charlottesville took place three days before that. So they said this is also a racist rally. And they hyped up 40,000 people to show up. Not to 40,000 people. And if you look at the pictures, people wearing masks, BLM, right? Antifa stuff. So we live in a very interesting time where you can whip up people by dividing people so fast right now. Well, you'll be hearing news about this on Monday. We finally found a lawyer to sue Baker. Okay. So we're suing him for inciting a race war and endangering the police because it was me, 39 other people and the police fending off 40,000 people. So you're looking at someone who'll go to fight for you. Because I, like you, came from nothing. I came from an India with racism on steroids. We were considered garbage, the untouchables. And when I grew up in New Jersey, you know, I grew up in working class towns. But I never experienced racism from white working class. You know where I experienced racism? Among the liberal elites in Cambridge. When my stuff went into the Smithsonian, proving that I invented email, they're the ones who came after me. Why? Because email was created before I came to MIT in Newark, New Jersey, in working class neighborhoods. It wasn't done at MIT. You see how this works? They want to create the narrative that after you go to MIT, after you go to Harvard, then you are part of their anointed club. And then you are you can be a genius. Drop out of Harvard and start Microsoft or be Zuckerberg. But the problem they have with us and me in this movement is I, I haven't forgotten where I came from. And I do know that all great things come from us everyday working people. They have created a false narrative that they are the ones who can create and all of us are the peasants. It's not true. TV was invented by Philo Farnsworth, a 14-year-old kid in Franklin, Idaho. It was a Michigan mechanic who created the automatic windshield wiper, which by the way, MIT stole his technology and they created the control systems department. Everyday people are who create and that is the foundation of this country. This country was built on us, everyday people who worked their butts off, who believed in meritocracy, not in aristocracy, meritocracy. You work hard and you work hard, you set a goal and you achieve. That's how this country became great. What they have created is a fake economy. They have created a world of a few set of people who move money around. In the last three months, 60 people have increased their wealth by a trillion dollars. Did you know that? 600 billionaires increase their wealth by $2 trillion. Amazon, right? Walmart, all these guys, while they shut down 
small businesses, 38 million people lost jobs because they have created a world that's based on fiction. It's not based on reality. It's not based on manufacturing. It's not based on innovation. It's not based on hard work. It's based on people like Joe Kennedy who get to go and just get to join his club or Charlie Baker's son who molests the women on an airplane and you never hear about it. You or I do it. No, seriously. I understand. They're about rape, deceit, and murder. We're about truth, freedom, and health. That's why this election is so important because you finally have one of us. And I'm only going to do this for one term. Why? Six years is a long time because I want to set an example. Why? Because the way they do it, they get into office and the day they get into office, what are they doing? They're running for office. That's what they're doing. Go look at their schedules. The day they get into office, they're, it's, it's, their, it's their money-making system. They're hanging out with donors. So they, they never do, do what they want. Whereas what we want to do is the day we get into office, we already have free bills. You can go to the website. It's already done. Digital Rights Act, the Citizen Science Act, and the Health Rights Act. Three things that literally relate to freedom, truth, and health. Digital rights. We don't have any more rights on communication. We don't. Five private companies control every piece of communication that is sent. There was an organization called the Postal Service that was created to make sure it wasn't postal mail. Go re read up on it. It was designed so all of us were considered the press in 1792 by the Postal Service Act. Washington signed that act because the Crown was not allowing us to communicate freely. So the Postal Service Act was created that I could send you a letter, you could send, anyone could send a letter, free communications, pretty free. And if anyone intervened, it was a 22 year sentence in prison. Sovereign, Did you know that? Sovereign, separate from Washington, no one had control. Yes, no one had control. The Postal, it was like basically this public park and they gave infrastructure. However, in 1997, email volume overtook postal mail volume. And I met with the Postal Service. I was only 29 years old. I said, you guys should offer the equivalent of digital services, Facebook equivalent, YouTube bought to you by the Postal Service. Because if you don't, we're not gonna have rights. And that's why we're in this situation. Five companies control our information flow, Twitter, Facebook, Google, AT&T, and Verizon. This is not what the founders wanted. We need digital rights. Digital rights means there's a public commons. Yeah, if you want to use FedEx, if you want to use Facebook, great. But there is a digital commons. And I bet you Americans would pay 30 to 50 bucks for this a year. That no one can ever remove any Facebook post, equivalent of your post, anything. So there is a solution. But it, as someone like me, who's a technologist, can come up with this. The guys, the lawyers can't. Second is, that's for freedom. Because without free communication, without free debate, without op open, and, and the founders of this country were so, I mean, these guys were enlightened people. They were in touch with something that we don't even know. You know, we can't even imagine God, creator, etc. But they knew you needed freedom. And that's why they created the Postal Service, okay? It wasn't created just for, and now it's degenerated, but there was a reason they created it. With freedom, you can now have truth. How do you get to truth? Well, we all talk about it. Hey, does uh, the sun go on the earth? Does the earth go on the sun? Well, we debate. We do what's called science, the scientific method. And then finally, you come to truth. Well, yeah, the earth goes around the sun. Doesn't matter. 99, 97% of the people thought that the sun goes around the earth. No, the facts are the earth goes around the sun. Okay? 
you practice a scientific method, you come to truth. But what we have going on today is not the scientific method. We have scientific consensus. A bunch of people get in a room and they say, yeah, CO2 is a pollutant. The earth is going to be destroyed really soon. We got to fund Al Gore, okay? Scientific consensus. When the data shows completely otherwise. So vaccines are the only way we're going to save America. We got to vaccinate every child, all right? With the same vaccines. Well, the truth is, that's not true. Your body, your body, your body, your body is so different. It's the right medicine for the right person at the right time. That's what science shows. Personalized and precision medicine, which is one of the fields I'm, you know, considering one of the leaders in. But what we've done is we've stopped freedom. You put up a post on Facebook saying vitamin D3 is good. They take it down, right? Sick. It's sick. Then they control science. And then you get fiction, not truth. Most of the professors in major institutions are the practice now the oldest profession. It's pay to play. So how do we solve that? We have a solution. The Citizen Science Act. It's up on the website. You can go read it. And because I'm an insider, I've seen this. The way we have to solve this is all these, all, all of our monies, when we fund scientific research, it's our money that funds Harvard, MIT. You know, they get big grants. When they do an experiment, Here's what the Citizen Science Act says. Anytime they do an experiment, the data from that goes into the public cloud and anyone here can go analyze it. All of us are pretty smart. You don't need to go to MIT or Harvard to be able to use a spreadsheet, look at the data. Right now, no one can get access to the climate data. Where is the data? Where is the actual temperature readings? I'd like to see it. Two months ago, there was an article in Lancet, which is one of the most prestigious medical magazines. It said hydroxychloroquine is dangerous. Okay. You know, the, the medicine. Well, some guy said, well, can I see the data? Which they were really pissed off that he was asking for that. He goes, can I see the data? And, and they go, oh, we don't have the data. We can't give you the data because this was outsourced to another company. The paper was fortunately retracted. We have the right for any time you and I fund research, it's our data. I wanna be able to download it. I wanna be able to look at it. It's open science. That's how science was supposed to be. It was never supposed to be where you submit a paper and then you call up your friends, they go, okay, don't worry, I'll publish it for you. And you submit a paper that's against them, they don't publish it. That's called peer review. It sounds prestigious, but it's a way to control truth. Did you know Einstein never published one paper peer review? Not one paper. This peer review model was created to control truth. So we have the Citizen Science Act for truth. And then finally, when you have truth, you can find the real problem to a situation and find out the real solution, right? And then we can get to the health of our bodies, our infrastructure. And the way we get to real health is we got to eliminate when it comes to healthcare, middlemen. Today, if you, God forbid something happened, you had to go to the hospital, ask for the hospital bill and you had to, they gave you an aspirin. A five cents aspirin will be billed at 50 bucks. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Any procedure that's done, it's cranked up by a factor of 10,000 times, sometimes. And the reason they do that is because between you and the provisioning of healthcare is all these middlemen. GPOs, group purchasing organizations, pharmaceutical brokers, people don't own anything. They just own the middlemen. And that needs to be eliminated. Trump started to doing that by going after the PBMs. We need to eliminate the middlemen. And one of the ways we do that 
is to, there was a law that was passed that allow middlemen to actually give corruption kickbacks to hospital administrators. So one of the important ways that the fundamental of this is the way we get to real health is you having a direct relationship with your doctor, not all these middlemen. 80% of the things can be handled by your family pr practitioner. So there's a movement of people called direct primary care physicians where they're saying, look, just pay me 50, 60, 75 bucks a month. I'll only take on a finite 500 patients a year and I'll take care of 80%. You pay out of pocket, just like you do with your car. And the remaining 125 bucks a month, you buy what's called crisis care insurance, like you do auto. So less than 200 bucks, you should be able to have excellent health care. You know, I pay like 800 bucks because why are we paying so much in healthcare? It's the costs have been inflated because of the collusion between big pharma, the big hospitals, and the big insurance companies. They actually want the cost to be high. You get this? It took me a while, took me about six months to figure this out. Insurance companies do not want the cost low. They want it to be high because then you're so scared. You go, oh my God, I'm so grateful to get have that insurance. They collude to keep the costs high. And the way we get rid of the costs low is you got to have direct primary care. And what it'll also do is make all of us be responsible for our health. They want it to be top-down health. They want us to depend on the government to say what we should eat, right? How we should live, whether we should wear a mask or not, which vaccines, that's not health. Health is you figuring out what's right for you. And in closing, let me just tell you this. Hippocrates, the father of health said, he who does not want to be his own doctor is a fool. Meaning you're supposed to figure out how your body works. That is part of being a human being. It's health is wealth. We should all start figuring out, you know, what do I need? What foods are right for me? This is like no one talks about this. It's all about, do you want Obamacare, healthcare? It's about health. One size does not, one size does not fit all. And we have, the great thing about where we are right now is all of us have access to so much knowledge. We can actually learn a lot about our bodies, what's right for us, what foods, exercise, etc. That's where we should be putting 80% of our effort. God forbid something happens to you in a horrible accident. That's great. Western medicine, surgery, antibiotics, phenomenal. But Western medicine knows nothing about treating your body as a system. The good news is we also have access to all sorts of Eastern practices now, right? So we got to integrate East and West. So that's how we get to health. And, and in closing, when you have good health, you have the strength to fight for freedom. You see, that's why Michelle's shirt says truth, freedom, and health. So you have freedom, we can get to truth, and from truth, we can get to health, and health, we can get to freedom. What they want to do is they want to get us all on all sorts of medications, you know, give up our sovereignty to the government, right? Have us all fighting among us races, right? Black and white, Black Lives Matter here, you know, support the police here. Meanwhile, they're living pretty good, okay? That's why this election is so important. And that's why getting back to what I was saying, we have to realize the game. We have to get smart. The elites do not want us voting in primaries. We have to get everyone, everyone, everyone here. One, two, three, four. Got a lot of people here. Okay. Got like 40 people here. Every one of you has got to go tell 20, 30, 40 friends to vote in the primary. September 1st. September 1st. Which is coming up right now. We got to tell all your friends to vote in the primary. If 60% of Massachusetts are independents, unenrolled, tell them to ask for the Republican ballot, okay? And vote for Shiva for Senate. 
that's what we need to do. We need to win this primary because by winning this primary, it'll serve two purposes. A, it'll be a victory, but B, it'll be an inspiration. People have been, people, you know, you, you keep, some people felt that you oppress people enough, they'll rise up. It's actually not true. What psychology shows is you keep oppressing people, they actually get more oppressed. They get depressed. They go, well, I guess we can't change anything. I guess we have to wear all those masks. I guess we have to be vaccinated. I guess we're going to have to wear those immunity passports. I guess I'm going to have to get chipped. The new normal. So what happens is humiliation actually humiliates people more. That's why we have to win this. We have to inspire people. We have to give people hope that people like us coming together. That's what this election, that's what our movement has been. We have 20,000 donors. We have, and we took all that money. We didn't pay to consultants. We have no paid staff on this election. We put all of that into 12 bill, 10, 12 billboards. We bought, we took quarter of a million of that and we put it into advertisement on Fox News and, and you know, Fox Business. We took, we sent out mailers. We bought all these lawn signs. That's all paid for by us. No pack money by us. This has never occurred before in a primary. It's always top down. They call their union friends. The Democratic Party chooses them and they push it out. Same in Massachusetts. Baker calls his couple of flunkies, guy like Jim Lyons, who's, who's a fake Trumper, by the way. He didn't even want a Trump sign on his lawn. Now he's using Trump's name to raise money. And then he's got Ron Kaufman, who's a complete sleazebag, total sleazebag, who basically told me when I ran last time, don't say anything against Democrats. <laughs> That's what you have running the Republican Party establishment. They are not Republicans. They're not Americans. They're not workers. They don't work, guys. We work. We have to win the primary, primary and seize control. We have to hijack back what's rightfully ours because the Republican ethos was always about hard work. It was always about playing fair. It was always about meritocracy. We got to take this country back and it starts in Massachusetts. Massachusetts is where the revolution began and we have to end it because they've been trying to take, take it back. Yes. So I like everything you have to say, and I'd like to be able to go on to people and say, you really ought to vote for this guy, because I really like everything you have to say, and I've researched a lot of it. I can't reconcile Donald Trump. I don't think he's a good person. I think that at the end of the day, humanity counts. You say it. Be the light. That man is not the light. So let's so talk I about Donald Trump. I can't reconcile Yeah, so let me help you reconcile it, okay? So you have to look at the long arc of history, okay? Yeah. Do you know uh, how many do you know how many times I voted? You. Yeah, do you know how many times I voted? No. You? Yeah. No. Once. First time I voted for was for Trump. Let me tell you why. Yeah. When I was 17, 18 years old, when I was at MIT, there was a guy called Jesse Jackson running. You remember him? Yeah. In the election of 1984, uh, he was like Bernie Sanders saying he was building a movement, the Rainbow Coalition, okay? And he was, and, the, and on the side, on the other side was Walter Mondale, Democrat, and Ronald Reagan, okay? And we as young kids, you know, when you're young, you, you're very idealistic, you can be bamboozled. We said, oh, this guy's anti-establishment. What did, what did Jesse Jackson do on the floor of the Democratic Convention? What did he do? He said, oh, well, blah, 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 because he was paid off, by the way. They gave him a private airplane. That was what he wanted, okay? He gave all of his votes to Mondale. And he talked this nonsense, okay? 
ever since then, I studied political theory and I figured out something. You can understand politics. There are scientific laws to politics. One of those laws is there's the establishment, the obvious establishment who you see, and there's a not so obvious establishment, okay? The people who talk the walk, talk the talk, like Bernie Sanders did, complete scumbag. And what did he do at the end of the day? He gave all of his votes to Hillary. Well, what I saw in Donald Trump, by the way, he wasn't a Republican or a Democrat. He was part of the Reform Party. He hammered away at both parties, if you remember. He was yelling at the Republican establishment and the De So I saw him as a disruptor. And as someone who studies science, you always need disruption. Now, you may not like that disruption. You may not like the way it looks, it feels. But it was like the king's wall is there and some guy came with a jackhammer and put a hole in it. That's what Donald Trump did. I don't care what he does, but he created the material conditions for someone like me to run. That's what he did. So look at it objectively. I don't I've never met. I've never hung out with them. You don't even know who people are even after you hung, hang out with them for 20 years. OK, so don't judge because you don't know him as a person. No one does. What you see is pictures on TV and those can be manipulated. But I'm saying historically what he did was a necessary disruption. Fake news is a common word. That's a good thing. OK, I want to make fake science a common word, which will be a good thing. So look at it objectively, because you don't know these people. You think this Hollywood person is a nice person? I'm sorry. I've met a lot of them. They're not nice people. OK, so that's why I hope that helps you in reconciling it. Anyway, we got to vote September 1st. We got to win. And everyone here has an opportunity to be a part of history. You've never had this chance before. Get 10, 20 people to vote. That's what we got to do. I'm going to end the live and I'll take questions. Thank you, everyone. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys, we got to win. We got to win truth, freedom, and health. Yeah. I'm going to move the t shirts over to the gazebo.